Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 92 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. Today, we are excited to be joined by YouTube channel home brewer Sensation. Sensation. Steve, also known as the apartment brewer. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. And for those who don't know Steve and the apartment brewer on YouTube, you need to go on YouTube right now, subscribe to him and follow his videos because as we're going to talk about, they are incredible and you really need to go check out those videos. Yeah. And before we kick it off with our fun mash-in section, we just wanted to say, Steve, thank you for your service. And also, welcome to the Dad Brewer Club. <laughs> thank you thank you very much very exciting James yeah i'm really i'm really curious to see how many <laughs> how many beers you're gonna brew that those first couple weeks probably none <laughs> as yeah, much we'll as you'd see. like to but you'll see you know you never know <laughs> yeah i i don't know exactly how it'll go but i kind of want to try and uh you know I, obviously it's my first time being a dad but um i want to try and show that you can still do this sort of thing while you're a dad. Mm-hmm. So like being I'm a hoping dad. that that works out that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you can absolutely make it work. And I think you will make it work. I've made it work somehow miraculously, but you, you might just throw in a couple dad puns here and there, you know, well, I already do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that. You'll fit right in. It'll be perfect. Yeah. And, and I also have to say your announcement with those outfits, we have the exact same one. <laughs> so we're like, yes, totally. Yeah, like you got to awesome. do it. <laughs> that's my wife, 100%, by the way. So she was the one who picked out all those, the microbrew thing and, and the shirt I was wearing and all that. So we have the same All mind. credit goes to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very excited for you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so let's do a quick little mash in and then we'll jump into all about you. So the I'm going to give you three quick questions and you just shoot off your answers. So the first one is going to be, what is your favorite beer? So my favorite beer really is going to have to go to West Veteran 12, which is a uh, basically a Belgian quan that you have to go to the actual monastery in Belgium to find. Um, you can find it on secondhand market, but it's like 20 or 30 bucks a bottle. But it's a lot better to just go to the actual place they brew it. It's on the middle of the Belgian countryside, and it is an amazing beer. That's one of the rare ones that actually lives up to the hype. So wow. that's going to be what I select. Shannon, that's definitely somewhere now where we're going to have to go. She's looking at me like, oh, crap. Like, now James it's got dude, that look in it. his eyes where I'm just, like, so into the Belgian beers right now, the Belgian quads, so it's great. So second question, the beer style that reflects your personality the best? I think I'm going to have to probably go with um, German Pilsner. So uh, I do have a German ancestry, so uh, I wanted to do a German beer for this one. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, Pilsner is kind of – kind of where it's at for me so good answer good answer good answer good, good, good enough <laughs> and lastly what is your favorite hop favorite hop is going to absolutely have to be mosaic just it's so versatile you can use it for anything and it's got a fantastic flavor and it blends with everything awesome another good answer good answer good answer as they say in family feud um, i'm going to circle back to the belgian comment because sure. i was james obviously wants to go but i'm thinking to myself you said secondhand it's like 20 or 30 dollars a bottle but how much does yeah. it cost to go to Belgium? Isn't it cheaper for me to get it secondhand? Well, I'm talking in Belgium. It was oh, secondhand, gotcha. 20 to $30 a bottle. Yeah, so I still have to get Euros, to Belgium. So. Yeah, here, yeah, here, forget about it. Well, I think you can still find it here. I've, I haven't actually gone out of my way to try and find it because it's like an 11-ounce bottle, so it's not really going to be all that much yeah. uh, worth it. Um, but <laughs> it's a fantastic beer when you can get it 
in country. The setting is amazing too. And it's yeah. kind of half of it. You're sitting outside in the courtyard next to an abbey in the middle of farmland and you're drinking world-class beer. Add it to the list, James. Got it. It's Gotta on go. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> Get the babysitter. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just kick it off here and ask the question we ask all of our guests. How did you get into home brewing? What's your story? Basically, brewing is kind of a family thing for me. I started brewing back in 2016. Basically, uh, right after college, I kind of got bored. And I started, <laughs> you know, deciding to find the various hobbies and stuff. So brewing, it kind of really uh, attracted me, I think, because I'm an engineer and I like to design things and create stuff. And, and there's like a process to it, you know, so it was perfectly suited for my kind of brain, I think. But it was also a family thing, like I said. So my dad has been brewing for way longer than I've been alive. And then my sister and my older brother also have brewed for a lot longer than I've been brewing. So uh, it was kind of already in the family and I, I saw what they could do with it. And I was like, yeah, I want to try that out. So I bought a uh, one gallon starter kit from Northern Brewer, an extract batch of Irish red ale, I think. And yeah, made it in stovetop in my tiny 750 square foot apartment that I shared with a roommate. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a pretty cool introduction and I kind of got hooked. So that's really how it started. And yeah, it evolved uh, from there into brewing a bag style brewing, larger batch sizes, went to three gallons and eventually to five. And yeah, that's really how it worked. Nice. And now have you ever done family homebrew competitions because that's a you great haven't idea. you should I, I was i was literally saying like all these homebrewers that see have that family lineage and even like us like we both brew like how cool would it be to do like a family brew off where all family everyone members makes a different, everyone makes a either different the same beer. beer and you got to compare them or everyone makes a different beer and, and they get, get judged yeah exactly <laughs> that would be a really fun idea. I mean, every family get together we have really is kind of a bit of a, a homebrew meeting, though, because it's like <laughs> everyone brings their own homebrew and we all, you know, we all drink it and taste it together and end up getting really nerdy about it. And, uh, it, you, know, you know, annoys the hell out of the rest of my family. But it's so much fun. <laughs> and, uh, so, and so yeah. what, what beer do you bring to those events and what does your dad bring? What does your sister or brother bring? Like, do you kind of compete with the style where you know your dad's really good at a certain style? So you'll either avoid it or you'll do it on purpose just to try and <laughs> get his feedback on it. No, it's much more casual than that. I don't think we're very competitive. It's my dad really just brews whatever he wants to brew. I mean, I kind of just bring whatever's on tap. <laughs> Whatever's sitting in the keg right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty <laughs> much. For sure. That's the way to go. But uh, yeah, my, my, we're, um, I don't know, we, we kind of have a little bit of everything usually. Uh, I don't think my dad really likes sours or anything like that. So mostly traditional styles and sometimes an IPA or two. Cool. I feel like you're almost like the Von Trapps of homebrewing. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what, that's exactly where my mind went because I was watching the video of when you brought your dad on when you were trying oh, to quickly when you yeah. were quickly make trying to make that IPA with a quick turnaround to see what his reaction would be to a beer that could be made in that short amount yeah. of time, and it, his reaction was just yeah, he's an old incredible. School brewer yeah, too, yeah. <laughs> it was just amazing, and I'm glad you brought him on for that video because it really just brought everybody to homebrewing is a family can be a family affair and it could just be something that you share and get to laugh like a good beer good conversation and some good old fun yeah no it was like uh it was really fun to have him on and i think um i didn't anticipate how much of a positive reaction there was going to be to uh to that specific aspect of the video so i'm i'm really happy it went down that way and so you mentioned your batch sizes that you're currently doing what system are you using you're using the all-in-one 
electric system, right? Uh, yeah, so I have a claw hammer supply. It's a five-gallon system, 10-gallon kettle, and it runs on a well, either a 120 or a 240-volt circuit, depending on what element you have. And are you using the 240 to make those brudes a lot faster, or have you, is that something you've kind of wanted to do in the future? So I have a 240 set up right now. It took me a little while to get that kind of figured out because I had to do some modifications to the breaker panel. But <laughs> once that was all set up, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's been the go-to for me for the most part because it's just so much faster than the 120 options were. But sometimes I have to do a double brew day, and so I don't have two 240-volt circuits, so I uh, will sometimes do a, a 120 and a 240 at the same time. And so with all of your brews, because I was noticing you know, on your Instagram and your YouTube, you're, you're brewing a lot. How far in advance do you plan what you're going to brew? Like, do you have a strict schedule? Do you kind of, you know, take it a couple weeks at a time? Like, what's your kind of method for mapping out your brew Yeah, schedule? that's a good question. So I have, like, a running Google Doc, basically, that's, like, 30 pages long of random <laughs> stuff. Of like video ideas, content ideas, beer I want to brew, or like outlines for certain videos. Just lots of ideas, really. And at the very top of that, there's like a, a good chunk of stuff. It's just like, I need to brew this. And it's like things that I haven't touched in a very long time, or stuff that I said that I was going to do way long ago. Or, you know, things that are, I think, up and coming in the homebrew scene that need to get some exposure. So, like, last year, I did, like, a Hulk Vike series, and that was, like, something I had to plan really far out. Mm -hmm. So, for the most part, I'd say, yeah, I have the ingredients for probably two to three, maybe sometimes four brews ahead already ordered and in, in the uh, basement stored away. But as far as planning goes... It's a little bit further out than that. But that being said, I mean, if I have something pop up that I really want to get done, like that, mm -hmm. you know, three-day brew that I had to do for my dad, like I can squeeze that stuff in there pretty quickly if I have to. So it's kind of a hybrid, I suppose, approach to it. It probably makes a difference too because you are filming these. So it's it's almost like a TV show because, you know, you're trying to film the beginning and then at the end. So it's like you have to plan, okay, I need content yeah. for three <laughs> months out from now and I'm doing – you know, it's uh, definitely easier if you plan it. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like a little, you know, snap your fingers and the beer is done. So it's definitely, yeah. definitely plenty involved, which is, the, I feel like the hardest part sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's definitely uh, a lot of things that I have to juggle and then remembering to download all the stuff off of my SD cards and you have a rolling video edit where I'm like halfway through one or starting another one at the same time, you know, and it's keeping that rhythm is, is kind of important to keep the channel moving too. Yeah, and I, I really do appreciate how you set up each video as well. You don't only explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, but you're also giving the information on how to brew it mm -hmm. along the sides as well. So it's not just, okay, someone's talking about it or someone's just doing it. You're doing mm -hmm. everything. So one I of the things... That you said that. Thank you. Yeah, and one of the things that I really like watching your videos, and I'm actually going to be making your export beer using the Nova oh, Lager nice. because I was looking for something to make with that yeast. And then by chance, I happened to come across that video. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's a great idea. That's a beer I normally wouldn't brew. And it's just a great recipe. So I'm like, I'll give it a whirl. And you explained it so well, even down to the water profile. So when you did your YouTube channel, how did that kind of start? Were you like, hey, like I really like learning from watching people brew so I can bring that to the homebrewing community or how did that come about? So um, the YouTube channel started really, I guess maybe three or four years into 
when I started home brewing. And really what happened was actually, it was more of a creative outlet for me in a time where I was going through some hard stuff. So basically brewing beer alone wasn't really uh, keeping me occupied enough. So basically I decided I would start filming myself, brewing the beer and discussing it and just like sharing it with whoever wanted to watch it. And basically just kind of put the videos out on the internet. And I was like, oh, I'll make this YouTube channel and I'll call it the apartment brewer because I'm living in an apartment and brewing beer sounds like it made sense <laughs> and so and it stuck and you know didn't really get any views or anything and i got my way through that hard time and didn't really touch the channel for a couple of months and then all of a sudden i got someone who dropped a comment on one of my videos and it was like it was like that's really cool i used that malt and you know like i did uh, this thing and got this result and i'm like oh, oh that's that's really cool <laughs> like this is this is a community what so it was uh stuff like that that then kind of spurred me to start doing it again so i started making a couple other videos and um i did a check Pilsner video i think it was a kolsch video if you go all the way back on my channel you can still see those i deleted the other older ones but these two stuck around because they actually got some traction and i started getting like a couple hundred views uh over time and, and uh back then that was huge and basically just kind of it was something that I saw that I was learning from and that I was also giving uh, an opportunity to other people to learn from as well. And people started commenting that they were actually getting something out of the videos. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I might actually know something about what I'm doing. And then uh, <laughs> I just continued to brew and continued to make videos. And it just carried on for the last five years and got to the point where we are now. And it's awesome because I get people that come back and they say, like, they started brewing for the first time in 10, 20, 30 years because of something wow. I, I showed on the internet. Like, it's it's cool how stuff like that works. So I was watching your Christmas ale video today because, you mm. know, Christmas in July. and mm. <laughs> Your mind's always Christmas. <laughs> I just love, I like, I like the holiday like beers. The holiday I beers. really enjoy them. So Yeah, they're fun. But while I was watching, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this could be a Food Network cooking show. Like this, like people always say like, oh, you can't have brewing as a cooking show or like a TV show. Cause that's just boring. There's a lot of sitting around doing nothing, but I feel like the way you structure it is very engaging. And like James said, you explain it and then you show it and then you actually taste it and like critique yourself afterwards and really explain what are the hops going to do to the flavor of this beer or what the malt that you're using is going to, why you chose that malt. And I really felt like it was almost like a very classic food network cooking show where someone's making dinner and it's was just easy to watch and not boring so if anybody's looking for something entertaining they should go look and check it out i mean i'm I'm glad you pointed it out that way because that's exactly what i'm hoping the value is for people is that they can see what ingredients do and what recipe decisions do to a beer uh when you get down the road and finally finish it so like instead of waiting two or three weeks or a month or longer to get your final results and figuring out, oh man, I shouldn't have used acidulated malt in this degree or something like that. Mm-hmm. They can see it in 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome that you said that. Yeah. And especially one of your videos, you started talking about the packaging for, in this case, homebrew con. And mm-hmm. that's my biggest fear with entering my beers into competitions is packaging. I don't have packaging down and I'm using the same equipment you are. So when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, interesting. He's talking about things that I'm concerned about to entering. So maybe now I'm not so fearful to enter because I'll take suggestions learning off of your experience actually being in the competition. So why don't you talk a little bit about 
HomebrewCon this year, 2023. What was it like to actually be there? We weren't there this year. Uh, what was it like in entering your beers? Sure. This is my first time going to one. Uh, and so it was, I didn't really quite know what to expect. Uh, I just knew it was kind of like a giant party of homebrewers, but it was actually a really, really cool experience. I mean, part of it was like a three day bender in a way because you had beer <laughs> most of the day because there was just always something to sample at every session. But also, there was a tremendous amount of knowledge that was being passed around there. And there's a tremendous amount of really interesting subjects and seminars that were being given by really really knowledgeable people and just some fascinating topics to break down in home brewing, uh, come and kind of flow down from the, the professional brewing industry as well. And then, you know, you get to like meet people like John Palmer and hang out and have a beer with them. Like Epic. it's just so cool. And, you know, then obviously you do the, the parties where you have like, uh, you know, club night is one of them with the homebrew clubs all serve their, their beer. And it's like a homebrewer's dream because it's not just like 25,000 IPAs and popular beers. It's like random stuff like dark milds and old ales and, um, just like obscure beer that you'd never find anywhere. And it's so fun to taste those things and, and like just to talk to the people that made them and get their ideas and how they brewed them. So mm-hmm. that's like, that was the fun part of homebrew con. And then the national homebrew competition is attached to that. This is the second year I've done that. And yeah, I, I enter my beers just kind of for fun. It, it's a good like humility check half the time anyway, but there's generally a lot of decent feedback that comes back from them and it kind of helps you understand things you could potentially do better and it's also interesting to see how your beers age over six months especially if you package them (laughs) the way i did (laughs) yeah i'm glad you were able to save some so you could have that like that video because that was a game changer because uh the first time i did it i think i disagreed with the judges a lot and i'm like i don't think that this is right you know i'm i remember this beer being so much better yada 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 Mm -hmm. and then i had the the aged beer and i'm like nope that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah you taste the beer off tap and you're like this is great and then you don't realize that oh my gosh like this thing totally oxidized in the six months that it was sitting around it's a long time there's somebody commented something on a video today that made a lot of sense to me i think a lot of people are saying start adding some sort of oxygen scrubber uh like ascorbic acid at packaging and that that might be the thing to do so Mm. i'm slowly getting there one step at a time but i think uh Maybe next year I feel a little bit more confident about the the packaging success. So we'll see what happens. Now, when you package your beer in your cans using that tap cooler off your tap, what PSI are you using to go into your can as well? I'm just curious for my own. For purging or um, for... Yeah, for when you purge the can and then you're going and you're taking your beer that's maybe in a keg and you're going uh, straight from your tap faucet yeah, using the so... tap cooler. That's also like the effectiveness of that's also going to depend on like a lot of things like your draft lines and and how those are set up. Um, But I generally purge at like 12 PSI. Like I'm pushing a lot of CO2 in there because, um, well, really, it's just kind of what my regulator was set to, uh, to be completely (laughs) honest. But like anything over like two to five PSI is really good enough for that. Um, The key is you want to get down to the bottom of the can and purge from there. And then to serve the beer, I basically just take the keg um i vent some of the pressure out of it and then just leave it at that natural serving pressure to push it in so that it's at a slightly lower pressure than you would actually kick uh the beer out of the actual tap on but still enough that it's pushing into the can at a reasonable rate and still creating foam so that you get that uh that purging of the oxygen at the top yeah and i think that's a great recommendation too of 
if you have a dual regulator or you have a separate CO2 tank yeah. with a regulator to use one at PSI, say 13 to purge, like you were saying, and then use your serving keg to kind of do the five to eight PSI or something like that to yep. actually get the beer in your can. Because before I was doing 13 the mm -hmm. whole time or like 14 and it just like, you'd feel the can and it'd be like, Oh, this feels like half empty. Yeah. And it's like and it all is. foam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I die. I feel that. Sorry. I'm just like laughing to myself over here because when you said club night, I was picturing like just like a bunch of homebrewers like just in a club with like lights flashing and like, all those beards <laughs> and <laughs> that's not awesome. quite, not quite. And then I was if you, uh, double fisting oh, homebrew cans. <laughs> I mean, partially true. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. If you watch uh, the brew show, he's got a video on homebrew con that he put out a couple days ago that is a. Uh, He's got some footage of Club Night in there, and so you can kind of see what kind of uh, an event it was. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now that I just that image in my head, like the chainsaw brewer just rocking out in a club. With <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You'll show up in like full disco outfit. Like, let's go, guys. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter if nobody else is there dressed up. There was somebody dressed up as Elvis, though. Oh, oh. So. that's pretty legit. Yeah. That's legit. And, and I know the guys at the. Um, homebrew podcast they were dressed up as like gilligan's island <laughs> so what would you say if you had to pick a beer to date that you've brewed either for the channel or just off the channel that was your favorite to brew what would it be what would it be <laughs> that wasn't a complete mm. sentence james i'm gonna go with the italian pilsner that i made in 2021 because that was a very interesting brew first of all because i this is like a transition of, you know, me being like, I can dry hop Pilsner and this is what happens. Um, <laughs> so it was actually really cool. And also it happens to be probably the single most rebrewed uh, beer on the channel as far as people coming back and saying they're brewing this and, you know, following up with me. So I really, really enjoyed it. It did not last long and it was a fantastic, fantastic Pilsner. I think that's a good one. And actually I was just... Again, watching that video, and I was like, <laughs> "Sounds I have, like all you do is watch his videos." I, well, I mean, I was all over the place with videos, and then you know, a lot of the times they don't tell you how they made it, they don't show you how they made it. So, especially if you're trying a style you normally wouldn't drink per se, but you are curious about the style and you want to be able to say that you've brewed a style so you can appreciate it more. I think it's one of those things where you, I'm a visual learner. So mm -hmm. for your channel, I think you've touched a lot of styles that aren't exactly sexy in a lot of homebrewers' opinion, but they could be sexy soon. You know, you never know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I do like to kind of uh, explore some more uh, obscure, I guess, or lesser known kind of styles. It's, it's a lot of fun. They may not do well on videos necessarily, but it's more fun to just kind of brew it and get it out there anyway. Yeah, and especially so like with there's the a video too. Yeah. I'm going to be doing pretty soon. Um, it's not on the channel yet, but it will be in probably two weeks, I think, um, where I do an old ale. And like that's a beer you never see anywhere. And I don't expect the video to be particularly popular, but it was a lot of fun to make one because I had one maybe one other time in my life and I was at HomebrewCon. So <laughs> and they're hard to find like an old strong English beer and 
kind of strange flavors involved. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually really interesting and really fun to make. So I'm hoping that uh, the home brewers out there that, you know, that really just want to make cool stuff like that that nobody knows about uh, are going to enjoy that video. Maybe I'll start a new trend. The next yeah, up and coming beer of 2024 <laughs> is going to be. Yeah that <laughs> i highly doubt that but you uh, never know <laughs> you know we can always hope <laughs> weirder things have happened in the past five years <laughs> so so i'm gonna ask this for james because he feels like he asked this question a lot and he, but he's very interested in people's logos where okay. where did the inspiration from for your logo come from so i didn't actually make my logo uh myself okay. i i hired a graphic <laughs> designer to do that because i have absolutely no graphic design talent but Basically, I kind of asked uh, Mutual Connection through Homebrew for Life, CH, and I, he, he like reached out and basically sent a, um, a graphic designer info my mm -hmm. way. And this dude is another homebrewer. He's really involved with the YouTube guys. He's made a couple other logos. I was like, um, can I have a logo that kind of like makes sense for the apartment brewer? <laughs> can, can you take my brain and then put it on the page and express all the emotions <laughs> I'm feeling when I brew? There you go. <laughs> Yeah, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no problem." And then he like he went and did some work for a couple of days, and then shot me like three or four designs, um, and they were all fantastic. So I was just like, "You know what? This is fantastic." So, yeah, I uh, I've kept it ever since. It's a great logo. And off of great things, on bad things, what, what? is your biggest <laughs> homebrew fail to oh. date that you can talk about? Whether it was a spill, what was like the biggest fail that you've done in your homebrewing career? Was it on um, camera? That's an easy one. That's yeah. Cool. So um, basically, last year I brewed a fest beer, and the intent of that particular video was to do a comparison between pressurized and non-pressurized lager fermentation. And so I basically brewed ten gallons of the fest beer, and I put it into two fermenters, and one was under pressure, one was not, and um, basically. I was cooling the beer down overnight and because um, it was in the middle of the summer when I made this and it was just like not going to cool down to, to lager pitching temperatures anytime soon. So I just let it sit overnight and I went, came downstairs and um, I had brewed a beer with Lutra the, uh, two or three weeks ago uh, prior to that beer. And I came downstairs and the beer uh, was actually sitting at uh, over a hundred degrees in the fermenter, oh, God. and it had a krausen on it, and I hadn't pitched yeast oh, yet. Oh my God! So what happened was I had a little too much to drink while I was brewing, and oh, <laughs> I plugged the wrong plug into my Inkbird controller. So I plugged the um, oh no, basically I plugged the heater into the cooler slot. So it was always turning uh -huh. on the heater, but it was trying to, to cool. get it to cool down. So it was just had the heater on the entire time. So it kicked the temperature of the beer up oh. to hundred or of the word up to hundred and something degrees. And then the Lutra was persistent somehow in the fermenter. I guess I just didn't clean well enough prior to that brew and it took over right away. And even though it's a Viking, like you can generally under pitch those. All right. It was such a low quantity of yeast initially that it was just an absolute fusel mess and it tasted like paint thinner. It was horrible. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mentioned that in the Fest Beer video. I was like, yeah, this is originally going to be an experiment and it no longer is. And so <laughs> I got rid of, I just dumped that beer because you, you couldn't drink it. Yeah. It was horrible. So I'd count that as probably my, my biggest uh, 
over failure as of late. <laughs> and another one finds the beer graveyard channel. Yep. <laughs> yep. Those sad yeah. days. So often. Sad, sad days. So on your videos, if you have an experience like that and you've already done all that work where you're filming, would you still go ahead and taste it on camera and be like, you know what, this is disgusting. It didn't turn out. Here's why I think it turned out bad. Or do you kind of just take it and just say, you know what, I have enough other beers going on that I can kind of just call it a loss on that one. Uh, depends on the content. So for that particular video, because it was a split batch, I had actually five gallons of usable beer. Um, so I actually just made it all about that particular brew instead. And I just like refilmed the pre-brew segments and kind of made it work. But I have had a couple others, I think, where like I just brewed a single batch. And yeah, if it doesn't turn out right or it has a, a problem, like I'm not going to just throw it out and pretend that I never had an issue. Like I, I mm -hmm. usually think that people can learn from mistakes as just as much as successes. So I try to, to be pretty open and honest about that. So I've got like, I think it was a Belgian brown ale I made shortly after that one. And then there was a, an English pale ale somewhere else in there that neither of those turned out particularly well. And they had some significant flaws in them and I was not a particularly big fan of them. And so, yeah, I, I didn't really, shy away from saying hey this is what's wrong with this beer and it kind of sucks and this is why yeah that, um, so yeah. don't do that <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome like to be just authentic and to have that many homebrewers find themselves being like well this person always makes great beer and it's not the case at all it's a lot of trial and error finding out what you did wrong or what you could improve on on each beer there's never yep. a perfect beer Absolutely. And, and everybody makes mistakes too. Great. Good life lesson. <laughs> good answer, Shannon would say. Back to good answer, good answer. beer family feud. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today, is there anything that you would like to plug or chat about that's coming up? Yeah. I think the one thing I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox for here is um, something I've been trying to push a little bit more. Basically, I think there's a sort of a downward trend in the hobby as of late. I think everyone's kind of seen that in some degree or another. People are, are not as interested in getting into homebrewing as they used to be. So I think um, what I want to plug is just if you have any sort of, if you're listening to this podcast and you have any sort of ability to share what you're doing as a homebrewer or a meat maker or a winemaker or a cider maker or anything that you ferment at home, get out there and share it with people. You know, get on TikTok or, or Instagram, Facebook Reels, uh, YouTube Shorts. Those are really popular content platforms that I don't really even get into right now, but I think it's really the future of how this thing's going to go. Uh, and talk about what you're doing. Share it with your friends and your family. Just show that homebrewing is awesome, that it's good, it's fun. It's not rocket science, unless you really want it to be. <laughs> um, and get people into it. You know, it, I think... Uh, it really could use all the help they can get from individual people showing off what they're doing on social media. So, or start a podcast like you guys, you know, <laughs> get into it, show your passion for it and share it with your community. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because it's something you see more and more homebrew shops closing as well as a result. And it's just as homebrewers, when you go into a homebrew shop as well, or someone who's listening to this podcast right now, and you want, might want to get into brewing beer, go into those homebrew shops, go ahead, look on YouTube, do all those things to just learn about it. And it's really 
easier than you might think. And, you know, if you're a home brewer out there that's already experienced, when someone walks into the homebrew shop, welcome them, be nice and be generous and make that environment where people feel like Shannon, like you mm -hmm. never would have taken up homebrewing if you probably weren't married to me. Probably not. <laughs> so it's like a perfect example, right? Like that stigma of you have to know so much knowledge to mm -hmm. get into brewing. All it takes is just getting someone a beer kit for a holiday and it's something fun that they can just do and learn the process. And if they want to get into it, they can. Got yeah, You absolutely nailed that. That's fantastic. The idea of buying somebody a beer kit for, uh, for a birthday present or, or Christmas or whatever, that's, that's a gateway for so many people. Yeah, I mean, that's how I got started. My dad uh, got me my first kit and never turned him back. And we did a giveaway last year with a home brewing kit to try and get someone who listens to the show into the beer. So it's definitely something you guys should all check out and check out uh, Steve at the Apartment Brewer on YouTube for just learning how to brew. Yep, I'll second that. Thanks, guys. And I congratulations, Steve. You are our representative brewer from Massachusetts. Yay! Yeah. Cue the uh, applause, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for Steve for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you all for listening to this week's Double Hot Beat. And don't forget, we have merch. Merch, merch, merch. Woohoo. So make sure. Population Nation. <laughs> so make sure to go over to our Instagram and click on the link to check out what we've got on our site. We'd really appreciate it. We want to see those yeast monsters out in the wild, baby. We do, for sure. And if you are a home brewer like Steve and want to come on our show and tell your story, feel free to send us a direct message on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And while you're on our Instagram, feel free to check out the current giveaway we have going until July 20th, 2023, where you could win some of that awesome merch. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and our social media platforms. It really does help us get new listeners just like you. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. This has been, been Double, Double Hot Beat. Catch you on the, the Bruce side. side.